Welcome to uh, the free episode of Escape from Plan A, Better Late Than Never. Right, Jess? I got Jess with me. Yeah, hey. <laughs> um, we, I've, I've been wanting, we've been wanting to do this for a few days, but scheduling has been tough. Now that it's Thanksgiving and I was thinking, God, do I really, am I in the Thanksgiving mood? Do you feel, do you feel the holiday spirit, the Thanksgiving spirit, or do you just, do you feel like, like me? <laughs> I'm so, I'm, I'm so over, it hasn't started and I'm so over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I kind of wish that. I mean, I I joke. I mean, I I always feel like I have a lot to be thankful for, but like, I kind of need the anti-Thanksgiving too. I need the I need the Asian, the Asian festivus for the rest of this. Where <laughs> I need the airing of grievances. You know yeah. what I mean? Like where where do we ritualize like the the airing of our grievances? Where do we go and shout our frustrations in a ritualized? celebrated way when do we ever get to do that (laughs) um i think it's that month after college you mail in your college acceptance form uh yeah like the month between between uh uh, between like was it like may 1st or something and graduation senior year that's that's the month you get what do they call that? Super seniors or something like that that i forgot what it's called super seniors are people who take uh, more than four years Oh, okay. To graduate right. from college, I don't right. think there's a name for it. I'm, I'm mostly joking. That's why I named this episode "Rage Room." Yes, God, I've been, uh, I've been raging. You know, like I have my bouts on Twitter, and um, I have my bouts on like on phone calls too. And I've just been raging lately. And I read that JCK book or parts of it. I read the Emmer Asian part because I heard that that was the most interesting part because we factor into it as well as people we know. Mm. factor into it and um and i read it and and um i had i don't know i thought it was fine i didn't really i'm not really that interested in the topic uh to be honest um and then i you know i sent a I sent a dm to jck and i was like and i i I rarely ever talked to the guy but i i sent him a thing and i said hey i read the chapter and i said i was surprised that the shoe never dropped on al because you know al is uh you know, he's a violent guy. Like he beat up his girlfriend and stuff. Like I, I was surprised that he took such a central role in this chapter mm-hmm. and it was already bothering me. Cause I'm like, you know, he pointed us out, he pointed plan a out and said that, you know, these were people that were trying to maybe address some of the concerns that were found in uh, Asian Reddit and, and some of the more problematic spaces and trying to, you know, detoxify it a bit while not, trying to gaslight the people in there and that garnered maybe a sentence meanwhile al takes still provided a connection it still implies that there is a um an ideological and personal connection to this space that is uh, that he's portraying as revering al to an extreme degree yeah well and also that why is it that you know it's i guess i was just i'm not i'm not this is not leveled uh, as a criticism per se, but just like an ex- explanation of my personal annoyance when I was reading this is that, you know, a lot of people tried and we did try to be the adults in the room, but it's, but it's the owl that gets, you know, all of the, um, the space and the mm-hmm. attention. And it's, 
you know, he that becomes emblematic of what's going on online. And I was like, man, you know, this, this guy gets, uh, you know, all, you know, he flew out there to meet him. I remember that. And I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because everyone kind of knows what, uh, you know, what became of Al and it never came. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised. I was like, you know, you, did you know about the DV thing or, you know, he, he didn't know. So he called me and we were talking and then it just ended in this shout shouting match, uh, which we made up later. I, I did eventually we did eventually talk afterwards very briefly saying, like, it's not personal. I think we both share some very deep frustrations about what's going on. And I think a lot of it had to do with um, uh, just the just the total fucking like. Just the just just how bad Asian American journalists and activists have been for Asian uh, people. I mean, I I mean, at first I thought, okay, like this is just not a muscle that, as a generation, we've been we've been taught to flex. You know, this is like the early early months of twenty twenty, and then as the months kind of drag on, like, no, this is actually worse than that. This is less than this is less than useless. This is actually harmful. Yeah, I think I'm getting around to that stage of thing. This is actually fucking harmful. And uh, you know, what set me off was as I'm as I'm saying like trying to explain why there are so many people online that are so upset and angry about Asian American journalists in particular, but not just them. Asian American studies professors, which I'm sure we will talk about. Oh god. Please. Um, God, can these fucking scam calls ever stop? I get like 10 a day. Uh, sorry. Um, so I'm trying to explain why there's a lot of frustration and anger directed at him. Though I will say JCK, in my estimation, is one of the much better ones. I mean, he has addressed a lot of these issues in his in his writings, right? The failures of, uh, you know, of the... I don't know what he calls them, symposium Asians or whatever, to address a lot of um, the concerns of like what Eliza has called normie Asians. And I think that's, yeah. a, that's a simple <laughs> way of putting it, right? Yeah. Like what do actual normal Asian people care about? Yeah. I think there's a the term that they use is like elite Asian. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it means something. But I think they mean it's something different than what it actually, than what I thought it was actually to be. Um, what they mean by that is the highly credentialed Asians, mm -hmm. usually like middle class or upper middle class, either in upbringing or in their position now uh, in academia or, you know, usually creative culture, like culture creation industries, mm -hmm. like journalism, uh, writing, fiction writing or, you know, like in, in media. It tends mm -hmm. to cir uh, circle around there. When I, I mean, and they're calling they tried. I don't know. I feel like we're just seeing this uh, this really incestuous infighting amongst that class and every one of them fight uh the same way by claiming that they are actually calling out the calling out that class and by implication that they are not part of it so it's this weird circle jerky feel to mm -hmm. it where they're all mm -hmm. just like lobbying the same accusations at each other and everyone else is like okay so you know um what where are we on grandma getting shoved into the train tracks here yeah it's funny they're never a part of anything. I feel no, like that's one of their biggest problems. They're always 
creating distance and saying that I am not that I'm, I'm like this neutral objective separate observer. And I have this clear vantage point as to what I'm seeing, but don't lump me in with it. I'm not part of it. I'm not that. They write about their subject matter, like reluctant anthropologists, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were given this, this, this chore to report on, you know, what the what what, what are the Asians doing right now? What, what's what's going on with them? That's their mm-hmm. that's their beat, and they don't yeah. want this beat, but they are forced into it. Mm-hmm. Or they all or I and I think uh, that's actually disingenuous. I think this is the only beat they know because they all say the same thing. They yeah. all say things like, uh, "Oh, I uh, well, you know, it's racist to just make the Asian report on the on the Asian stuff like that's that's racist. But then also someone else writes on it. Well, why didn't you give me the job? Yeah, it's racist for a non-Asian to write about uh, Asian matters. Yeah. I so I think mm-hmm. in aggregate, it all points to uh, give me attention and I will give and I will say what you want me to say as reluctantly as possible. Yeah, the dynamic exists entirely between them and their employer, or them and their, you know, intended their professional audience field. Yeah, but yeah. They, yeah, or intended audience who I'm not even sure they know who it is, yeah. right? Like just whoever they, whoever, whatever eyeballs they can pick off by nature of being in the New York Times or the New Yorker or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. not like an inbuilt audience that really gives a shit about any of this stuff. You know, the people that are actually affected by these issues, I mean, you want to talk about anti-Asian uh, hate crimes, you want to talk, like, they never, they never speak or write from the perspective of someone who feels as if they themselves have been personally touched or affected or yes. potentially uh, endangered by this shit. And I think, you know, one of the things that I get most angry about is the very first episode of JCK's podcast, Time to Say Goodbye, where E. Tammy Kim said when they asked her about her response to these initial reports of all these anti-Asian hate crimes, she said, I mean, I guess my first reaction to it was, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've been such a bad Asian American through this process because my initial reaction to the reports of the hazing and hate crimes was sort of like, I'm sure that happens, but it's probably not the biggest problem right now. And, um, you know, and that's like completely insensitive for people who are actually suffering that. And I think like obviously there has been since the early days, like a proliferation of those incidents that we obviously really need to take seriously. But um, I think to me, like what, bothered me was it kind of fit into a certain I guess like a very like self-obsessed like navel gazing thing that I've seen along among a lot of Asian Americans during this process that necessarily translates into then like a performative like oh but we're not that we're this instead of like what are the reasons why like people are suffering and like what are the things that we share with other people who are going to suffer from this um, and how can we make that like a community struggle? So that's kind of my cheesy socialist answer to that. And I'm like, well, let's push your mother to the floor and crack her head open. And you can go see her at the hospital and hold her hand while she dies. And then we can ask you, do you think this is the biggest deal right now? You know what I mean? Like, isn't mm-hmm. that like, I don't know. And, and, and they make it, they, they, the way these people Go about it with this detached emotionlessness, you know, this bloodlessness. It makes me at some part in me question, am I too invested in the pain of other Asian Asian people in America? Or are these people just bloodless? 
and I'm sorry, but I I don't give a fuck anymore. They're bloodless. These are these are people with no empathy They're for themselves or for others. Too. When it comes time to get that next job or to sh- like pitch another book or an article or some some work of some work of representation, who are they banking on? Who are they bringing as their intent? Who are they claiming is going to be giving them money and attention and making it worth? worth uh worth their while to hire these people they're saying they are speaking on behalf of all asian americans by implication but they're not actually speaking there so they they act as if they are speak care they do care about this community and they are speaking on behalf of it and can represent it but when it comes time to actually to actually display some care then it's completely missing so they're using they're using their ethnicity as a, a line item on a resume, basically, and putting as little effort as possible into actually fulfilling the terms of that. But we're but we're the bad ones if we don't want to go support or we disagree. Yeah, I mean that's with why that. that's why I mean they're fundamentally much more concerned about the feelings of the white audience that I know. Despite and I asked JCK this question point blank. I'm like, who do you write? Who did you write this book for? And he said, honestly, I didn't think about it. I just wrote what I wanted to write. Okay, fine. That's maybe that's at some level true, but I don't, I think that's a cop out because, okay, when you don't think about it, then default, who do you default to? I don't think anybody just writes without any idea of who they're addressing it to, you know? And I read this and I honestly, I don't know. I, there's sometimes where I feel some of it is addressed to Asians, but I think a lot of it is addressed to white peers. I mean, look, it's sold on Amazon as Asian American nonfiction, mm-hmm. right? The title of the book is called The Loneliest Americans. Asian American is all all over the branding and the pitch, the PR for this book. You and me, we're both implicated in that, too. So he yeah. is writing as if he can talk about you and me and all 20 million of us. That's a big responsibility. I think so. So and they want to they want to f- bank on that. They want to bank on the, on that being able to speak for this twenty million, but displaying absolutely no care for it in the process. Yeah, and I now and I'm going to uh, go back on my I'm going to go back on yeah. that a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the only chapter you read, at some point I do think you should read the the uh, the final couple chapters of that book because okay. I think he does pick up he does find a strong voice and a strong thesis, uh, but it's only in connecting deeply with historical injustice right and that's another thing right he's able to like these people are all able to empathize so deeply with like the civil the injustice like vincent chin right it's a little weird how after a year of so many casualties hate of hate crimes now we're still invoking vincent chin you know that's such a good point there have been much more horrific crimes in a way yeah. Then I mean, Vincent Chin, like that was a horrific crime. But there have been stuff. There have been crimes that have been as, or in fact, more horrific, including gang rape and burning alive. Yes. Okay. Yes. So why do we need to keep defaulting to the murder of a man? Like, how many years ago has it been now? Like, I think he he died in like nineteen eighty. Yeah, forty years ago, a generation ago. So these same people will come. They speak with empathy and deep, uh, like historicity, um, about Vincent Chin, 
but I'm not sure if they can name a single person who was killed in the last year. So it's like it's it's like there it's there's some glamour to valorizing someone from the distant past mm-hmm. in a way that feeds into this concept of identity building, right? Finding some commonality over over the tragedy of Vincent Chin. It's more useful to like to curate some notion of Asian American rootedness as Americans in in, in American history. What's inconvenient? What doesn't help that is talking about is talking about. The grandma from like what was it like three weeks ago who got pushed onto the subway tracks, or the woman the woman who was set on fire last year. Vincent Chin is an older story where we know with forty years we know the implications of that story, right? Mm-hmm. We know who's guilty. We know. Uh, that the killer was a white man. We know that uh, he was, you know, all the evidence was clear that, you know, Vincent Chin himself was not a problematic guy, that Ronald Evans was a problematic guy, that there was enough evidence to clearly convict him. There's no question about guilt. And that this really had to do with, uh, you know, sort of these uh, blue collar white people in Detroit. And so it's like, mm-hmm. and it's 40 years ago, so it's safe. But now it's like, you know, you want to deal with E. Lee, right? E. Lee was gang raped in, uh, I believe, in in Wisconsin uh, or somewhere in the Midwest. And her body was like burned to a crisp and left in a park. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was, was done oh, by God. black teenage kids. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them expressed no remorse. And nobody fucking knows her name nobody gives a shit mm-hmm. and it's way more horrifying to me what happened to her than what happened to vincent chin not least because she was like a young woman who was like mm-hmm. mentally not all that well and she was just gang raped in daylight by teenagers in a park and then yeah, burned to i, had, I had nightmares after that honestly it was I mean, horrifying you- and nobody says anything none of these fucking blue check fighters say anything about this yeah stuff. When they, you know, when they go out, my, now that changed. a year in, it's now convenient to, to, to shill some Zoom conference or something talking about oh, anti-Asian, anti-Asian hate. First of all, why is it, why did it only become okay to, um, to put your name on this after everyone else kind of acknowledged that there's some, some shit going down? You guys should have been the first ones on the, on the front lines of that. But it's after a year when finally like the New York Times will admit, oh, some shit's been going down. And then they're like, oh, yes, you know, Professor so-and-so will be hosting a Zoom co- conference about anti-Asian hate. Give me a fucking break. When all when these same people, you look up what they were saying on social media all last year, be like, well, guys, remember, we have to take it. This is a nuanced and very difficult conversation that we, we can't just jump to conclusions here. There were net drags on actually bringing bringing this to to the consciousness professor jen ho at colorado right she's the one asian american studies professor who was tweeting like oh you know i know a lot of asian people are very upset and uh, very upset about what's going on but that's because this is probably their first encounter with racism and they're not used to it they don't they don't they're they're not they don't know how this works I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is their first encounter with racism. And then I like dig through her fucking tweets. And she literally has a tweet that said, I'm on vacation right now 
in Yellowstone and I'm at oh, the God. hotel and there's all these photos of people and they're all white people. And I'm sitting here thinking, am I going to be able to just relax uh-huh. or are these or am I just going to be anxious this whole time because there's just too many white people on the walls? I'm like, OK, so your vacation and your ability to relax is in danger because there's too many photos of white people on the fucking lodge that you're staying in. Meanwhile, Asian Americans have to be told by you, an actual academic leader, uh, like someone who has devoted her life, her life's work to Asian American history and issues of Asian American justice to say, "Eh, I think we're making too big of a deal out of all these like random uh, physical attacks resulting in death and permanent injuries to elderly and to women and to children. Because you know how Asians are. Like, we're not really used to, like, racism because we're white adjacent. This might be our first time, you know, being the targets of it. And she's a historian. What she's the a historian. fuck is wrong with you? She's a historian. She Jen would Ho- know Jen better. Ho is a waste of everything. <laughs> Every resource that she, like, consumes, it is a waste. Yeah. I hate her. God. I'm so, I just fucking hate her. And those, I don't know those what else tweets to say about about, about her uh, about how she felt mi- scared on vacation. I think it happened. I think she sent those out like just maybe a couple months after uh, Vichar Ratanapakti, the 84 year old oh, grandpa yeah. who yeah. was uh, who was killed in San Francisco, just ambushed on camera. There's a fucking ambushed, video just, of it. Yeah, I mean it's it's full on it, football stunning. tackle. To like yeah. an 80 octogenarian as he's just walking down the street. Mm-hmm. 84 years old. He got shoved so hard. He hit his head against it looks like a, like a garage door or something and then died a few days later. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, you know, you know, we I'm sorry. It's based and her reaction is basically I'm sorry you feel afraid. But there's nothing. But, you know, there, we can't really say there's anything real going. I'm sorry you feel that way, but you're going to have to just chill out. You tell me, but Kim, she, is this is God. this the biggest deal right now? You know, mm-hmm. where does that come from? Where do, where, why, how is it that these people say this shit and, and people who have like intentionally chosen being Asian to be their fucking career? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. And they do, put, you know, we were talking you know, about this. I'd, I'd, have, certain- I'd have less problem with that if they just take being a professional Asian American out of their calling cards. Honestly, they make yeah, their names, fine. they make their money off of being Asian American and they have the audacity to talk about, talk about, talk about us like this. Yeah. That's why I'm railing against them. That's exactly why I'm railing against them because they're supposed to be mad about this shit. They're supposed to be thinking, not us, not just random people. Like they're the ones that are supposed to be, uh, you know, doing the, like with Vincent Chin, wasn't the whole problem that like people, regular ass people weren't really motivated by it. It had to be like a Helen Zia or, or whoever had to go out yeah. and rally people. I mean, actually, Isn't that what they're supposed to be doing, but they're the ones going out saying, oh, I am, I, I, I am the, uh, um, you know, the inheritor of the legacy of Helen Zia and other activists. No, you're not. Fuck you. You're not doing shit. You're just gaslighting Asian, Amer- Asian people who look at this with horror and are like, what are you doing? What are you doing for us other than telling us to shut the fuck up? I mean, they know that their jobs is to report on us, right? Yeah. They're supposed to study. They're supposed to be on the, keep their fingers on the pulse and then report on us to a different, you know, white audience. The NPR yeah. listening, New York Times reading audience. They, they get their info on what's going on with the, with the, uh, with the Asians from those figureheads. 
So what are they actually doing when they talk like this? They're placating. They're telling their real audience, everything's fine. I'm, I'm sorry, we're getting a little out of hand. I got it. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to do my best to keep, you know, to keep the heat from rising too high. I got this. Keep paying me, please. Yeah. That's their entire job. Their entire job in that framing is to then put drag on the ability of actual Asians to get shit done. Mm-hmm. And I, I found out a new piece of uh, historical trivia. Yuri Kochiyama of, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the it's, it's a name that, that every, every Asian activist will invoke at the, at the drop of a hat, <laughs> yeah. right? What did she, how did she respond to the, I, Maybe maybe I'm thinking of a different person, but I think it's Yuri Kochiyama, actually. No, I think you're right. Because uh, um, I, I suspect you. <laughs> yeah, the the her reaction to to Vincent Chin's murder. Uh-huh. Her her reaction was uh, she didn't actually she didn't do much. Her opinion was this is not really my primary focus. This doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. And on one hand, I kind of get that she's from a different generation of uh, Asian Americans because that 1965 break is real. Her family has a longer history in the States. Prior to that, Vincent Chin is the product of the newer wave of immigration that most of us, uh, most of most Asian uh, Americans today are part of. So in her mind, there was a distinct break from that. But because she didn't lend a hand, it and she had a big name in activist circles, it slowed down, it probably slowed down um, awareness and, and, and activation over Vincent Chin's murder. It was on it was on smaller small time activists like Helen Zia and others that did the hard work to to keep that to keep that flame going. And now these people, so it's a it's a bit uh, maybe they just don't know, or if they do, then this is a bit damning that all these people who now claim to be the heirs to Yuri Kochiyama's legacy kind of doing the exact same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's, funny, rev- it's also funny when people claim to be name. the heirs to her when Yuri Kochiyama was like uh, kind of a supporter of Bin Laden and said, yeah. you know, 9-11, we had it coming when it comes. Look, I'm not I'm not passing judgment on what she said. I'm just saying most of the people who wear who have adorned themselves of Yuri Kochiyama's image probably wouldn't agree with her on that. They're well, probably a little scared to say that. Okay. She's a she she was a strong vocal woman with strong opinions. And I, I will give her credit for that because she walked the walk. She, she organized, she was well-read, she had strong political beliefs, uh, and she she lived by them. And I respect her for that. And especially, you know, I, I mean, her relationship with Malcolm X is, like, fetishized, practically. I think we need to dr- cool it on that shit, too. Um, it's, it's getting a little weird. Um, but the fact that she walked the walk is, what's, it's, is also a thing that sets her apart from a lot of the people in the activist class. Who live who live basically on the what the nonprofit grift, collecting grants, writing nice little reports, doing nice little awareness seminars, reporting on us Asians back to their back to whoever is funding them, and then basically doing their best to reassure them every we have we're we're doing our best to keep the Asians in line. I think for me, like something that has been polite really- Democrats. What one thing Yuri Kochiyama never was is a is a vote blue no matter who. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think one thing that has been really difficult for me to um, grasp is, 
you know, you know, one thing that pisses me off is like I've been I've been searching around for some information around, you know, bias crimes against Asian people. Mm-hmm. And because I, I want to see where they're coming from. And it's very hard to get stats on this. And one thing that is a problem is that all the studies, that, I mean, there's this one study out of, I think it's like Michigan or something, um, by a Chinese, uh, I think a Chinese American uh, sociologist who said that, you know, they, okay, we have some stats for this period from like 96 to 2014 or whatever of race, of, you know, crimes of bias against Asian Americans. And immediately I I started realizing like, that's not really what I care about because like so many crimes against Asians that are perpetrated by like a different race, white or black or Hispanic. It's like, they're, they're already not categorized as bias crimes anyway. Right. Like Chinese restaurant gets, gets, uh, you know, held up. Someone gets shot or killed. Like generally speaking, you know, Chinese delivery boy gets, you know, robbed and, and assaulted or, or murdered and his cash taken uh, in a black neighborhood, generally not labeled a bias crime. That's usually just like, you know, a common, not common, but, you know, that's just generally like a, a robbery or a murder. Right. Yes. So, like, I'm already looking at cases where it's been selected where it's like, you know, something happened where there was enough to 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 for them to actually label it a bias crime. So I don't really care about that. I'm t- I want to look at all crimes and stuff, right? And each of these studies that says something that I realize really pisses me off. They, they, they start with saying something like, recently in the wake of COVID-19, there have been viral social media images passed around or that have gone viral on the internet <laughs> of Asian people uh. being attacked by a black or other non-white assailant. And I'm like, no. Uh, why are you focusing on the fact that it was dis- like this video was distributed on so- like social media? Because I think part of that is to discredit uh, the veracity of that video to say, oh, you know, these are like that might be fake news or that that that's just like a viral video thing. That's not really it's, it's because you saw it on social media. It is actually warping your understanding of reality. It is not actual reality that you're seeing. And that might blow over with people who don't live in fucking New York City, but I live in New York City, and that shit is real. It happens, okay? Mm-hmm. And so the fa- once I see the this, like, oh, you know, images of Asians being attacked by non-white assailants are proliferating on social media, and some, many have gone viral, and then, and then it immediately it says, leading to this false belief that, you know, Asians are under particular threat by non-white assailants or whatever. Get the and fuck then, out of here. Yeah, it's like, look, fuck you. I live in New York City. I know what to watch out for. I know what the problems are. I don't need you to fucking tell me that, you know, social media made it viral and it's not real or whatever. Fuck, like this, literally this, like, uh, a, a dude got stabbed in Chinatown uh about two hours after I parked at that block, the same fucking day. I remember I got home and yeah. after nearly having a run in myself and saying, Damn, oh, thank seriously? God nothing happened. Yeah. Two hours what? later, something fucking happened in Chinatown. Okay. Well, what happened so, to you? Uh, I, it was like someone just looked at me the wrong way and I was like, the, um, just you know, nothing. I mean, nothing happened to me, but I'm just like, yeah. 
you, you I was getting you bad vibes, vibe. okay? Yeah. yeah. And so two hours later in the same place, there was an actual assault. Dude. And and I'm like, okay, look, I, I need to be dumber about this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I need to be stupid and start from I, I gotta stop listening to what other people are saying because like there's this idiot like on Twitter the other day, this Wrath guy, Raphael something or whatever, some fucking moron in Queens. One of these guys that goes to a lot of meetings and he's like an organizer kind of guy. He doesn't really organize, he just goes to meetings. <laughs> and he's yelling at me online because he's like, do you do the work? Do you go to the meetings? I'm like, what meetings are you fucking talking about? He's like, do you go to CAAAV? CAAAV is like this fucking piece of shit, no account, uh, Asian American, uh, quote, org that uh, says a lot of highfalutin bullshit about, you know, solidarity and all this other stuff. But their primary activity, so far as I can tell, having talked to people about it, uh, has been uh, coming down on the side of landlords in Chinatown, trying to suppress all these protests uh, on behalf of tenants, right? Like, why would I spend my time going to a CAV organization, org meeting? They have nothing to offer. I went to their website, and immediately I know what I'm going to get, because... The only fucking thing that they've ever said or done about anti-Asian violence is like a two or three paragraph, quote, press release, which nobody noticed, right? And what was it about? It was about the Atlanta murders, mm. right? And I know... And if that's the, the safe thing, one. That's the safe one because it was a white dude, right? And it happened in the South. And so I knew and I looked at it and immediately I was like, I know what I'm going to look at. It's going to be a... some Someone wrote... You know, in a very like, you know, uh, high minded way, you know, hard to hard to attack the high mindedness of these of these articles. But they're always going to say the same thing, which is we know that the result of, you know, that this is that these murders were the result of living in a white supremacist society uh, and, you know, within a within a, uh, you know, an exploitative, racialized uh, capitalist system. And I'm like, okay, that's fine, but what the fuck am I supposed to do about that? Right. And, and, and it's a lot of the answer cannot therefore be anything that enlists coercive state power. Okay, I'm not a fan of the cops. I know that the cops cause a lot of this shit. One of the things that triggered me most was that uh, the Yang Song case. Mm-hmm. And that was all started because the cops were fucking raping her and then trying to arrest her when she didn't want to comply with their shit with her sexual demands, and they ended up forcing her to jump off the roof and flushing to her death. I'm not stupid. I know that shit, right? But if you're going to tell me what the answer is not, then what is the answer? What the fuck do we do? That's and uh, Yeah, that's my big frustration. There have been so many people who have high-minded th- thoughts and prayers, basically, and no actual practical solution except and if you don't produce a solu- if you don't come up with a solution you're basically saying you're fine with just letting this shit play out exactly the way it is that is exactly what they're trying to say that is basically it you have no options we have nothing to offer you the only option that you have is the absolute anathema to everything we stand for which is to say that we want more police protection and we want like someone was online today someone was telling me today because like this raft guy was going what 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 we really need is more solidarity and we need more grassroots community organization organization and 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 building of 
connections. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? What if I'm if I'm worried that my child is going to get attacked on their way to school? What what does all that mean in practical terms? What can I how do I put that into action tomorrow to make my child safer tomorrow on their way to school? And obviously it means nothing. And this person responds like, yes, this is my problem because my mother got assaulted. And I don't know what to fucking do because I want I'm, I want to go to the cops to report this, but I also know it's fucking pointless. And I know right. someone who was herself attacked and she tried to report it to the cops and the cops don't even want to fucking hear it. So I'm not dumb. I know the cops, one, they don't give a shit and two, they're not going to do anything about it anyway. Right? So what is the solution? I'm like, okay, thank you for telling me that the cops aren't the answer. Then what is the answer? The answer is you're going to have to take it and then you're going to have to say that we are martyrs. Just like that. That's exactly it. it all it, those Asian people that had their businesses fucking destroyed yes. during the George Floyd protests. Mm-hmm. And then they had, to, they had to go out and write these fucking sad articles about, thank you for burning my restaurant down. I will build another just to watch it burn again. No, fuck that. No, I, I'm not signing right. and up then, for like, that shit. If you please, if you could please donate to my GoFundMe because my life savings literally went up in smoke. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's bullshit. When, I, when someone says that, what that says to me is <laughs> you, <laughs> it tells me that one, they feel far enough away that this is a fairly remote, this is an abstract problem for them. Not a, not a personal one. It's somewhere Say they are safe from that mess. And B, there is a principle that they value more than human lives in this case. What they're saying is you guys have not paid the price has not been my price has not been met to care for this at a personal level. I'm seeing all these grandmas getting curb stomped, people getting assaulted, killed brutally. But it's still not, you know, it's still this is all a price that I am I am willing to pay for to further this abstract goal of pan-racial solidarity and non-carceral solutions to violence. Yeah, and it's, it's you guys it's, are st- you guys keep if you wouldn't mind can you please just keep paying this price so I can feel better about my position in society. That's all it really says to me. We are, you know, I, I, I think that Kenny Shu is absolutely correct in this regard, that this is about us being an inconvenient narrative. Yes. We, we just make the liberal, you know, like, what are the chances that, like, the, the fundamental partisan schism in America, the shape of it just happens to align with objective truth and reality? I mean, obviously it <laughs> doesn't, right? Like, yeah. they're neither side. This is not about... One side is, you know, about the truth and the other side is the complete inverse lie of that, right? That's not how this shit works. Uh, these are coalitions. These are, these are uh, you know, strange coalitions of people with overlapping interests. And it is hard to find out where Asians fit into this, right? And lately, I, I have to say that I don't think liberal progressives give a flying fuck about Asian people at all. To the point where we can have videos of young Asian children, like like pri- like middle school kids, right? Like mm-hmm. just these innocent children getting their faces stomped on a fucking subway, Jeez. just going yeah. home from school. 
literally like this poor girl who ended up in the hospital, by the way, is on the floor covering her face. And the girl, a black girl, yes, wearing a hijab, has her shoe and she's taking both hands and she's just smacking the shit out of this girl's face with her. Now, I don't see this. like I don't feel racial animus when I see this. I don't get angry at black people when I see this. I actually feel more sorry in a way for the black girl because I know that this must come from somewhere. Yes. And yeah. And long term, I am much more worried about that girl than the Asian girl because I think the Asian girl, you know, that's a temporary hell, but you can come out the other side of that. You can survive these events fairly easily and people are resilient okay but whatever caused that girl to do that at that age to be so comfortable with violence she's she can't get over that so quick okay so i i these things don't trigger in me i don't think it is necessary that these trigger feelings of racial animus that i would go blame black people or the black community for yeah that's the wrong impulse because we've 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 both seen it go the other way right Mm -hmm. where concern for asians gets laundered by the side that wants to just hide their their literal uh racism against black people that's not the direct we're, we're trying to find some different path here so let's not fall into i'd like to not fall into anyone listen to this to think that we or any we're endorsing falling into that trap either i don't think you should see it not only am i not only i don't think filtering it by race is actually a completely asinine filter i remember our you know uh, our favorite uh dr jen ho uh comes out with another bit of gaslighting bullshit where she says oh a lot of people seem to think that most of these attacks are by by black people well let me let me i'm just here to tell you that that's not actually the case most of the attacks are actually by white people mic drop like what that was it what yeah, the like, hell okay, so we're just is that supposed who's to do beating the shit out of us yeah and, and, and she says no they're actually mostly by white people oh okay so let's carry on what so that means there isn't a problem like you didn't finish your thought lady what difference did it really make who was doing the attacking here that implies that implies the normalization of a literal two-tier justice system of justice here or an entire social structure that implicitly allows for double standards here depending on race why do we even need to filter that out by race here let, let, the let only reason it would the only reason it would make sense to feel to that the race of the attacker makes sense if you do feel like there is some debt owed or some price that needs to be paid that we somehow owe it to I don't know black people I think that's a very racist construction to even to even be coming from here that oh okay well uh, Asians haven't had it as bad as black people in this country so if they want to claim a, claim a little blood then we should just be cool with it. Let me, I mean, is, let that, me is that the wrong logic here? Let me posit something even worse than that, okay, when it comes to her. I, I mean, let's, let's be clear about who she is. She's the one that said, okay, let me drop a little knowledge on all you Asian people about how to survive oh, in the age of anti-Asian racism. Mm. Okay, well, number one, I have a white husband who looks like an ex-Marine, and he's over six feet tall, and I feel safe around him. So get yourself a white husband. <laughs> Literally, that's what she said. Okay? Yes. So this is the type of kind of person we're talking about. 
is she will literally tell other Asian people that the right way to deal with anti-Asian racism is to hide behind a white man. Okay. That's who she is. So let me tell you, I think there's something weird and fucked up about her mentality. And I suspect that when people suppress and gaslight the, the notion that there is such a thing, a phenomenon of black on Asian violence, particularly in the big cities, and it's been going on since before COVID and no one likes talking about it, right? That the reason people like her wish it would just didn't happen, wish they could, and in fact, tell people it doesn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. The reason is because when they see these videos, their reaction is a racialized yep. reaction. They yes. actually feel contempt for black people when they see this. Contempt that gets laundered into, yeah, contempt in the id, and then as it filters up to the superego, it gets filtered out as condescension. Yeah, and they can't, they themselves have nothing to offer us on these images that we're seeing. They can't help us, they can't guide us, because they are exactly having the response that they are accusing us of having. By yeah. simply yeah. acknowledging this reality. They are saying that the only possible response is going to be feelings of racial animus towards black people, reinforcing white stereotypes about the inherent beast, you know, beastly nature, animalistic nature of black people, how they're just irre you know, irredeemably violent and all this stuff, all the core tenets of anti-black racism, that that is the only response that these people, Jen Ho, people like her, can muster because they can't see it any other way. So they can't, they, they don't even want to talk about it because they, if, if they're forced to respond to this, they don't have anything to say. That's why they avoid it. That's my that's my yeah. Reason. That's that's liberal racism in a nutshell, right there. And that's right? why I'm not afraid to fucking talk about it because I don't have anything to hide in terms of how I feel about this. Yeah, I mean, this is this is exactly it. This is what we talk about when we say you know liberal racism is a real thing. It manifests differently, but in that sense, we need to actually focus a little bit more on that because it's more insidious. Uh, the first example that comes to mind is the discourse around voter ID, right? Um, what I kept hearing over and over again is that we just can't, ex like, the reason why we should not have voter ID is that we just can't expect these, quote, inner city urban people um, to go get one. <laughs> now, you can have you can have your opinions on voter ID as a, uh, like, as a, as, a, as a principle, I actually don't mind that. Like, why not, right? Um, why? Why not? Uh, but the, the, the activism never hinged around like making it easier to get voter ID or ensuring that everyone has access to that. It's basically we can't do it because these people over there can't be expected to know how to get one. What? That's 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 pretty that's a mi relatively minor example, but because um, I don't want to distract from the main point that we're, we're getting at here. But that's that's the liberal racism. It's still the same stereotype. It's still assuming a lack of a lack of capacity, intellectual, emotional, um, from those people, uh, as that you would expect from someone you know in your in group here. That is liberal racism for sure. That so I think this is ex that's exactly that. So when it meant so if you ha if that is your starting point uh, psychologically, 
uh, coming into something like this, then it's then it basically filters out to oh those people can't just can't help themselves. We just have to have a we just have to grade on a curve when it comes to these sorts of situations. Yeah, and that's the only reason why you would focus on the race of the assailant. I think it's the I same mean, thing when you see the video of these black girls beating up that these Asian kids. It's like it is to me a form of liberal racism to say young black girls can never bully another more vulnerable race than, mm-hmm. than them. Then they have to be the victim. They can't in any, they can never be the bully. They can never be the less vulnerable, more powerful person in a given context. Mm-hmm. Because that, least- doesn't, that just doesn't vibe with how we understand black people as liberals. They're always on the short end of the stick. No. Yeah. It- and you'll see the same activists fall into the same stupid race politics and group group think um that they accuse everyone else of leveraging because then they'll to justify the attack they'll be like oh um asians are have the you know asians actually they'll say shit like oh asians have the most you know wealth highest incomes in the country um you know and there's a lot of you know asian store owners that you know are holding black neighborhoods hostage um was that girl holding a black neighborhood economically hostage? Why all of a sudden are the collective crimes of all Asians in the ent- suspected crimes of all Asians in this country? Why is she supposed to pay for that? Even assuming that's true. Why do you fall? Why, why did, why was it so easy to conflate this individual girl being attacked with all other Asians in the country? That's racism you know, too. You know, JCK did make a good point here when he wrote, I think he wrote either, I think in his Substack. And I wish he had written this in the New York Times instead of his Substack. And, and in fact, a white woman later did write something very similar, which is that the failure of the Asian American liberal ruling class, I don't know, that's not necessarily the right term, but like, the Asian Americans that we see out there representing us, even though we didn't ever, we never elected these people, we never, we didn't appoint these people, we didn't choose these people, but they were appointed for us. They were they 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 um, their failure to address the just the what lies again what Liza calls the normie concerns. My child getting to school safely, my child having a safe environment to learn. My parents not having to worry about them coming home because they went for a walk by themselves. Mm-hmm. That the failure to address these concerns will result ultimately in a rightward shift, right? It will result in Asian Americans being disillusioned with the liberal progressive project as a whole and saying, you know what, at least these fucking Republican people will. Even if I know that they're, I mean, I don't think Asians are stupid, whereas I think the liberal people do think Asians are stupid. But I, the, the Asians I know who do that are fully aware that the right wing doesn't have their best interests in mind either. But at least these motherfuckers are willing going to help impose a cost on the failure of what the liberals are doing. They're putting and, out policy, concrete policy, yeah. a guarantee. You vote for me. This is what I will do for you. Yeah. On the liberal side, you see none of that. It's all very, it's all very abstract. It's all ideology and principle. Yeah, we're gonna fight Never the patriarchy. Com- 
Whereas Republicans well, are going, we're going to flood, we're going to flood the zone with cops. Okay, we're going to arrest every suspicious-looking motherfucker in Chinatown, and then we're going to sue Harvard. Yeah, that's what they're saying. And we're going you know to lower what? your taxes. We're going to keep your neighborhood safe. We're going to make sure you get you get access to the schools you want to go to. Yeah. Now, whether or not that is the right answer, and I think in many cases it's the right answer, but in the wrong context. It's part yeah. of a part of a larger project here that I do think is kind of uh, very troubling. The thing is, we, the, in my mind, you need to impose a political cost if the other side is going to ever take this shit seriously. Because the other side's proposal, there is no proposal. The other proposal is, well, if they burn your shop down, go to the New York Times, say you're proud to have your shop burned down in the name of George Floyd, and that you're going to rebuild, you're going to do a GoFundMe, and it's going to get burned all over again. And man, you are, you're the life proud of the Proud to be I mean, American. You, you, yeah, yeah. I, you know, fly that red, white, and blue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you? Hillary Clinton and, voted for war. Your son died in that war. Come up on stage, show a picture of your son, and say, "Vote Hillary Clinton for president." Okay, that's the kind of shit we're being asked to do. And I say, no, I don't. This is undignified. We're actually the we're actually the canary in the coal mine on this, right? This is kind of a barometer of where where the Democrat part the Democratic Party is on this. If if their knee jerk response is to just chastise Asians for a rightward shift instead of seeing the writing on the wall, it's literally fine. You guys want to win, then all you have to do is make a better offer on policy. It's simpler than just pit than just trying to win on on ideology and principle alone. In my opinion, if you can't manage to do that, then this is well, that's the what they tip do for of the iceberg. People. That's a if tip white of the people act. shift right, immediately the, the, the response is, what did we do wrong? We have a right. post-mortem. The Democratic Party has a whole paper out. What, did, what, were, what went wrong with our messaging? How did we not reach the white rule voter? How do we do better? But if the Asians shift right, all of a sudden, it's Asian people going in, into the newspapers going, you know, Asian people are so fucking embarrassing and uneducated. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're sidling up to white supremacy. You don't actually see writing on actual white people going that direction as side, as as white supremacist. Yeah, no, no, it's, of course some. Not. <laughs> it's a failure so, on the on the party's one, as it should be, as it should be, in 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 our system. It should be. What did? How did we not reach these people? Why didn't they? Why didn't they respond to our messaging in a positive way? Well, because you told me that the reason that what I should do is just fucking turn the other cheek and ask for more. I'm a human being. I don't want to do that shit, okay? I'm not some fucking martyr. I'm not, like, someone from the Old Testament or some shit. And it's the disparity in who is is asking for this blood sacrifice and who has to fulfill on it. Universally, it's an activist, it's an academic activist class that uh, praises these shop owners for having lost their businesses or these working predominantly it seems like it's predominantly working class people who get attacked walking the streets and going on public transportation in in our big metropolitan cities they're the ones they're the ones cashing this check that the activist class keeps writing yeah. by saying and i mean jck he makes an he makes an excellent point he's one of the first in, to make this point very clearly, and he'll always have uh, credit in my book for that, by being able to bifurcate that uh, that class division, which we are not allowed to talk about. 
That's the one. That's one thing we are absolutely not allowed to talk about: the incredible class divide. When he wrote about uh, when he wrote about the uh, the Hmong cop uh, who was there when George Floyd died, what was his name? Like Tao. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Toy Tao, I think. Like yeah, and he made a he made this point very forcefully, and I'll always be appreciative of that. Um, that this is a this is a Hmong guy. Uh, we we know that this this is a population that has suffered extreme poverty and de- oppression in this country after after going through literal hell in the in the homeland. Um, where that guy, how that guy ended up in the position he ended up, cannot ever be weak. Uh, posh Asian Americans um, who had a much different trajectory through American society cannot claim that and also weigh in on that yet we did how many how many think pieces came out about asian complicity and white supremacy by people who went to yale and harvard yeah and have exactly. cushy jobs at the new york times yeah yeah exactly and you know all their relationships with black people are through the academy or through their job or uh, obviously, within um, a class context where the kind of shit that happened on that SEPTA train doesn't happen in the offices of the New York Times, it doesn't happen mm-hmm. in 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 you know private school hallways, it doesn't happen at Yale, you know, or Columbia or wherever the fuck, right? Mm-hmm. It happens in 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 under in you know in underfunded public schools in Philadelphia. That's where it happens. Mm-hmm. So when you this class of fucking people, when they go out and they start talking how Asians are white adjacent and all that shit, you're talking about yourself. You're not talking about the kids that are getting beat up on that SEPTA train, you motherfuckers. So you don't, you don't have a right to talk on behalf of these people or their parents or their families. So shut the fuck up. You're basically saying that they, you're happy that they are paying for a crime you are complicit in. Because they don't give a shit. Why do these people have... It's not like I grew up, you know, in uh, in a context where I was bullied by uh, black kids, right? Mm-hmm. So why is it that some of these people that, you know, they come from... You know, it's funny because JCK mentioned, like, uh, you know, how all... He, he knows a lot of, like, the sort of elite Asians, as he calls them. You know, he, he has a very simple class analysis. You know, there's, like, them... The, the us and then the them, right? So the us, he points out like, you know, oh, it's like these people that went to like Georgetown Prep or Georgetown Day or they went to Sidwell Friends in D.C. or they went to that high school in Potomac. Well, that's where I went. I went to that high school in Potomac, right? And why is there a, such a difference between like how I feel about this and how some of these other elite Asians or whatever feel about it? And you know, you mentioned this, and I and I was wondering about this, like, because I don't think it's so simple as to where you went to high school. I don't think it's so simple as to what your socioeconomic background is per se, how much your parents made. You know, I think it has to do with something more subjective. And and you said something about how a lot of these people, they have a certain voice, the way they talk. You know, and every time I talk to JCK, I we end up sh- I end up shouting because. There's just something about the detached manner in which he talks that drives me fucking crazy. And uh, the people on his podcast drive me crazy. E. Tammy Kim drives me fucking crazy with her voice. That detached NPR voice. 
you know, where yeah, there's just, there is this, in, to me, like, rightly or wrongly, probably wrongly, I don't know, but I interpret this because I'm much more hot-blooded about this, is that I feel like they are judging people who have emotional reactions to things. They look down on emotions. They look down on the idea that one should, that one could get worked up, that people get worked up, that they get mad, that they get uh, angry or upset when they see these things. You know? Like, these are people who have deeply internalized the idea that when you see something, you have to immediately process it, get over it, break it down into logical chunks, and explain it away. You know? Yeah, that's and... exactly it. You're explaining it away. Rem- sanding <laughs> off any rough edge that can't fit neatly in a in a sanitized little soundbite. Yeah, and when I see them do that, I just I really do. I gotta say, I feel immediately I almost feel personally attacked when this happens, right? Fairly yeah. or unfairly, but when I sense that someone is just, you know, upset about people being upset, right? Like judgmental of the notion of emotional responses. And there's a voice and a persona that goes with that kind of person. And I see it all over blue check Asians. This sort of like symposium face. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I wonder if it has something to do with uh, coming up in uh, in academia. So that's the ideal. That's the ideal voice for social science, right? You're supposed to be the objective outsider. Yeah, you can't get the outsider insider. You're going to introduce errors into your thinking if Mm -hmm. you have any sort of bias about this, right? Right. No, I I mean that comes from. Yeah, it came from like the field of anthropology, right? To try to Mm -hmm. capture to capture a thing um, without outside interference, right? Um, Turns out, you know, turns out you actually can't. You can get as it's a good ideal, but trying too close kind of removes the human element out of it. And I think it, it's inappropriate in certain contexts. Is like with academia, I can understand that if you're too emotional about like physics, <laughs> you're probably going to fuck the physics up. Like if you want one answer to be right very passionately and it's just not, or you know maybe something like. Um, uh, yeah, like anthropology, for example, you know, it is like it is a more objective scientific inquiry. But I think some of the stuff is just it is it takes place in an academic setting, but it's really actually political. You know, yeah, it's an inappropriate and, application. Yeah, of this principle of detachment. And when I see you, see, I think it's the creep of credentialism and how it takes over everything that credentialed people we've been especially in the liberal world we you know we have been drilled to believe that these people are inherently more trustworthy that we trust people more if they don't have emotions Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that works except in you know very specific academic fields where there is a sort of protocol of inquiry you know, and it's true of law. I mean, I'm a lawyer and I understand that being very angry when it comes or very, very emotional when it comes to dealing with matters of law, judging a case is a very bad thing. That I understand. But we're not in a fucking courtroom. Like, we are human beings. We have the right to do this. We should be doing this. You know, like, 
like suppressing all your emotions so that you can be like an objective arbiter of truth is a very not intuitive thing. It's a very inhuman thing. And we do it because we have decided or we've created a system where that, despite all of its very inhuman aspects, and the law can be a very inhuman process, we believe ends in a better result. But that's really about law. That's really about scientific inquiry. It's not about, you know, how do we as Asian people in America respond to seeing our children getting beat up in the fucking subway? Or, you know? Yeah. Like, be a fucking human being. Uh, that's like, I just, you know, of all the things that I wish these people would do, uh, all these blue check writers, all these journalists, and all these Asian American academics that are always going out in public and telling the world what it is that Asian people should be thinking, should be doing, should be feeling. Just allow yourself to be more, more human because you'll sound like fucking reptiles. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I, I don't knock anyone for going, going far out there. Cause there is a cost if you go too far beyond uh, the bounds, right? There's a real cost to your livelihood uh, to your safety in some cases, right? This is why we're, you know, uh, and I and I really do think they know the need for it because you look at the historical figures that they respect so much, right? Uh, like Yuri Kochiyama, you know, MLK, you know, all all of these historical figures, they re revere them to a kind of kind of weird degree almost because they were willing to put so much on the line, being able to walk the walk that they are not. I don't know if you can knock anyone for not being willing to put as much on the line as those people are. But the flip side to that is if you're not willing to do it, then you have, then we don't have the obligation to treat them as if they did. Mm -hmm. uh, which I feel is, is sometimes the frustration that they are not being seen as the um, vanguard for progress here. Mm -hmm. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Though I think part of it is also that with the actual radicalism, I think, of a lot of these Asian-American activists back in the 60s, and some of them were very radical, including Yuri Kochiyama, to the point where I don't think I would wear her T-shirt because that means I would be backing everything that she said, and I don't. Um, mm -hmm. But with time... You know, and, and we see this all the time with someone like Martin Luther King, who was a fucking socialist and 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 uh, a lot more radical a figure than we make him out to be. Um, and even Malcolm X, who has been sort of sanded down over time to be made more mm -hmm. acceptable for, you know, um, consumption, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah, for uh, home worship. <laughs> yeah. Um, that they're you know they've just been sanitized you know and and now that we've sanitized these people we turn yuri kochiyama into a cartoon and we can put her on a t-shirt and sell the t-shirt and stuff and turn her into a girl boss uh you know we have this new we have a we have a peep we have some people who are eager to co-opt th that imagery you know, I mean, I'm, and, I, I was and, tempted to try this, but mm -hmm. like uh, she left a lot of writing behind some really 
um, powerful, like strong writing about her political beliefs. Yeah. Uh Yeah, Um, I thought about just, just randomly like quote tweeting, like Dr. Jen Ho or whoever. (laughs) Yeah. With random Yuri, I bet I'll be blocked within an hour. Yeah. See, that's the thing, right? Jen Ho is so fragile. Yeah. But that, that means like the same politics from that era if you just if you're a nobody right now uh, espousing them mm-hmm. you're going to get brushed aside you're going to be considered uh, what d- dangerous mm-hmm. by the same class of people that openly worships these figures because they're safely in the past yeah that's it. that's what it is yeah it's all safely in the past and they can now claim and co-opt everything that they said and did. And honestly, I don't care to pick that mantle up. I mean, like, I don't really yeah. care what these people did. It's like, this is a new era. You know, it's a new time. It's a new era. Like, what is the point of wanting to be the, you know, heir to that tradition? Nothing. It's just image. It's just, it's just idol worship. It's just, it's just, you know, being preoccupied with the image. I don't care about that. Um. I don't know. I, I'm i so fucking frustrated with these people. And I think the reason is because we do, in a way, rely on them. I hate to say it, but we do. Like, we do rely on them to be our representatives in larger society. I'm talking about people, Asian American people, who write in influential, uh, influential place, spaces or otherwise have an outsized influence, particularly in how the rest of America understands and views Asian Americans. So if you're out publishing a book about Asian Americans, yep, that's you. If you're out writing stories in NBC or whatever for Asian Amer- about Asian Americans, yep, that's you. And I think that we do rely on these people and therefore we should pay more attention to holding them to account for what we actually care about and not just let them say whatever the fuck they want. If they say stuff that doesn't correspond with how we really are, call them the fuck out. And it goes to what I think you were saying earlier, which is these people took on a huge amount of responsibility by publishing such a book or uh, writing such a story. They have appointed themselves to be representative for over 20 billion people in America, right? So don't feel bad calling these people out. Don't feel bad about rough, you know, rough rustling their feathers or hurting their feelings. Okay, yeah. they've already appointed themselves to be your representatives. They should answer to us. Yeah, and they can't fall back on. Oh, this is just my lived experience. I don't know why you're seeing this as representative of all people. That's that doesn't fly. Yeah, just 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 run roughshod over that and just say, well, then you should have called it. You should have left the word Asian Americans out of your book. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, on the other hand, if you agree with what they're saying, if you think that they captured it right, go support them. That's true too. Yeah. Um, and so you know, when it comes to JCK, for example, like I don't know, I I I guess on balance, I think he's one of the better ones, and and uh, you know, I'm glad he's pursuing some of the stories that he's pursuing, but I do wish that, and this is something that I like let's i just think that getting our politics right and our optics right just doesn't matter because or it shouldn't matter so much because 
like the question of whether Asian Americans are good coalitional liberals or progressives or whatever the fuck, right? Like, I don't really care because like, if it's your child who gets sent to the fucking hospital or it's your parents who get killed or God forbid someone you, you know, your loved one or you gets your face smashed in or robbed or beaten or burned or killed. The last fucking thing that's going to go through your mind is whether leftist Twitter approves of you or not. Right. Yeah. Okay. The last fucking thing you're going to care about is whether these people that you don't actually know with a blue check next to their name uh, think you're woke or not. You're yeah. not going to care where, about where this crime fits into the entire socioeconomic project of the United States. Yeah, because your world just got shook up. And all of this stuff will reveal itself to be meaningless trivia, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I think, like, as Asian people, like, we should probably be more, I don't know, thinking about how our safety is in jeopardy and how it could be us who's next. Either us or someone we really care about could be next. And however remote a chance you think it is, you know, go take a look at that video and see how much distance can you put between yourself and those children. And uh, then think about it. Could be your child. Um, and then think about what your politics would be if that were to happen to you. You know, and if your politics are going to be very problematic after that, let's talk about it. Let's figure out what the right response to this stuff is. You know, I, that's what I want to do. But... All these fucking blue checks are going to call us anti-black racists for even bringing up reality. So my my response is, fuck you. I don't care. It doesn't bother me for people to label me anti-black this or anti-black that. I know the truth. So yeah. I just don't give a fuck. And I don't think people should give a fuck what is said about us. you got to care about yourself. You've got, you know, that is a hard lesson to learn that... You know, people are not inherently granted with the ability to care and watch after themselves and put themselves as a top priority. We are often pressured heavily, especially as a minority in this country, to go along to get along, to subordinate ourselves, to not be selfish, to be selfless, and to be celebrated and almost lionized when we sacrifice our own children. And, and they want to, us to make a big fucking show out of how we sacrificed our own children and allowed them to die and thus being celebrated as patriots for doing that. That's sick. Mm -hmm. That's some Old Testament bullshit that shows you what a nightmare the underlying ideology of America really is. We should not be put in that fucking situation. I'm talking about the Khan, of course. This one. But yeah. We have to learn to watch out after ourselves. That that is not human nature per se. It's not instinct to necessarily put ourselves first, you know, because there's just so much social anxiety and fear that we have to please and kiss a bunch of other asses because our position in society is not safe. And we just got to get over that. I don't, I don't know what else to say. We just, we just got to get over that. We got to get over the bullying of, you know, of uh, the threat of calling us racist if we want to talk about black on Asian violence, which is fucking everywhere. Yes, it is. And 
we are not racist for acknowledging reality. Now, you, you might be racist. You might be led into a racist reaction. But I think we should talk about that. I don't think we should just bury it because the more you bury it, the, the worse it's going to get. So fuck them. Fuck, fuck this. Fuck, just fuck everyone who thinks they have something to say about this, but doesn't have a strong emotional tie to what's going on. Uh, yep, this. that's it right there. I don't care about you if that's if you don't care. So anyway. Thanks for hearing yeah, me out, Jess. Thanks for yeah. hearing me out. I feel much better. <laughs> I got it off my chest, but you know, I don't know. Had to be said. Yeah. Um <sighs> Yeah, I mean you've had your own frustrations with this too, so Yeah. I mean I'm sure we're gonna cover this again, so yeah. Glad it's out there. All right. Um where are we at now? Um not bad, an hour fifteen. Coming in oh, that's... this is pretty relatively oh. trim for us. Yeah, I guess this is what having a just strong, a strong thing message from the get go gets. Cool. Yeah. Um, thanks so much, Jess. You know, always appreciate chopping it up with you. Of course. Yeah. This this uh, it was good to talk this through. Yeah. And thanks to to our listeners, especially everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. If you want to join the Patreon, contribute to the Asian American Writers Fund. Just go to Patreon.com/slash/PlanAmag and uh, hit contribute if you if you want to. You don't have to, but if you want to, and um, the fund goes towards um, paying Asian American writers, hopefully very soon to write about stuff like this. And in fact, uh, you know, if you want to contribute or if you want to write, you know, if you have a thing to say about this and you're a good writer, I think we have standards, right? Like we want good writing, but if yeah, you're a good writer, we, just, I think we, sp- we basically just laid out uh, how it's not meeting our standards. <laughs> There is a lot of bad, look, there are a lot of people out there with good thoughts, good intentions, but frankly, not very good writing. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just reality. It's very hard to write. I'm not a very good writer. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why we pay people to write. But if you're a good writer and you know that about yourself, you know, like people have told you you're a good writer, um, you know, contribute. We will pay. We'll pay for your writing on this. You know, this isn't just going to be a labor of love. We will pay you and we'll pay you a good amount. So, um, yeah, that's that. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. All right.